The following is from Red Hill Baptist Church, where we exist to glorify God, grow more like Jesus, and go with the gospel. To find out more about our ministry, or to contact us, please visit redhillbaptist.org. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sins and won the Oh, baby. 
for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation.
your Bible this morning, please. Uh, If you would turn, please, to Matthew chapter 4. We'll be there in a moment, Matthew chapter 4. This morning, I want to share with you one of the most important lessons that I've ever learned in my Christian life. I wish I'd known it earlier. In fact, I'm sure, you know, I grew up in church, I'm sure that that it was probably taught to me, but I didn't catch it when I was younger. In fact, I didn't catch it until I was much older. And not knowing this important lesson, I was left with much confusion and frustration and even depression at times. Um, As we look at John the Baptist again this morning, I want to focus your attention on just one verse uh, here in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I've got to warn you, um, today's lesson is not a pleasant one. Uh, In other words, this is not going to be your favorite um, Christian lesson of all time. In fact, if it were up to us and we were writing the script and we were making up the rules, this is one truth that we probably would do away with or at least change drastically. That is until we see the wisdom behind it. Uh, Are you ready for the lesson? One of the most important Christian lessons I ever learned in my life that we're going to take today uh, from the life of John the Baptist. If you are, uh, look with me this morning in Matthew chapter 4, just one verse, verse number 12. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Let me read it again. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Now, what is that lesson that I learned? It's been quite a while ago now in my Christian life. And by the way, it's a lesson that I'm still learning. And I imagine it's a lesson that I'll continue to learn until I go home to heaven. What is the lesson I'm talking about today? Well, it's simply this. Discipleship often means hardship. Discipleship often means hardship. Now, some of you hear that and say, man, if I'd known he was going to preach that, I wouldn't have come today. Well, I'm glad you came. And God has you here. You're here by sovereign appointment today. And God has a word for you. Following Jesus is costly. And it can get you in trouble. I was scurrying around uh, today, going hither, thither, and yon, and trying to make sure everybody had... We're kind of still getting back in the rhythm of things and getting to get... You know, Sunday school books filled out and get every, make sure you've got your books and all this stuff. And as I was walking back here, I heard uh, the Allen Bible class. I heard them talking about the places in our world that are dangerous to be a Christian. And they were talking about and listing out the most dangerous place uh, to be a Christian, the places in our world where it's very, very costly to be a follower of Christ. Following Jesus is costly. And we have to understand that following Jesus can get us in trouble Following Jesus puts us out of step with the world. Following Jesus means that you think differently and you believe differently and therefore you behave differently than those around you. Following Jesus makes you different. And if you live for Jesus, you stand out. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you're the only one standing, when everybody else has bowed the knee, you cannot help but be noticed. And that kind of stand and get you thrown into the fire. Discipleship often means hardship. And I find this verse we've read today in Matthew 4, verse 12, to be very interesting. If you follow the flow of the Gospel of Matthew up to this point, in the end of chapter 3, John baptizes Jesus. 
Then in the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus is tempted by Satan. You know, Satan literally tempts Jesus very bold. And of course, Jesus is victorious in that. But the very next verse is our verse today, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. And it says that Jesus heard that John was in prison and Jesus went to Galilee. Now, this short verse teaches us a lot about John the Baptist and it teaches us a lot about Jesus. I want you to notice, first of all, this verse, Matthew 4.12. It teaches us, it tells us, it reminds us that John was in prison. John the Baptist was put in prison. Now, the question, of course, is why was he in prison? Well, we're going to study about this more in depth in a, in a later study. But to summarize why John is in prison is simply this. John made Herod mad. We find the story in Matthew 14, verses 3 through 5. I'll read that for you. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias. Now, who was Herodias? His brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him, that is John the Baptist, as a prophet. According to Barclay, Herod Antipas of Galilee had paid a visit to his brother in Rome. During that visit, he seduced his brother's wife. He came home again, dismissed his own wife, and married his sister-in-law, whom he lured away from her husband. Publicly and sternly, John rebuked Herod. It was never safe to rebuke an eastern despot, and Herod took his revenge. John was thrown into the dungeons of the fortress of Macarius in the mountains near the Dead Sea. To summarize, John the Baptist was put in prison because he preached against sin, and he made Herod mad. And Herod said, fine, you're going to prison. He wanted to put him to death, but he was afraid to put him to death at that point, so he put him in prison. John was in prison. He proclaimed the truth, and he was sent to prison. This verse tells us that John was in prison. And secondly, it tells us that Jesus knew that John was in prison. I mean, look at what it says. You're back in Matthew 4, verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, so Jesus knew all about it. Let's continue reading. He departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light is dawn. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So remember, Jesus is baptized in the end of chapter 3. Chapter 4 of Matthew, he is out being tempted by the devil. Chapter 4, verse 12, it says at this point he heard that John was in prison and then Jesus begins his public ministry and he goes about preaching. It's interesting, he takes up and preaches the same message that John's been preaching. Did you notice that? Jesus' message was the same. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we know from Matthew 4.12 that John was in prison. We know from Matthew 4.12 that Jesus knew that John was in prison. And this brings me to our third point. It's this. Jesus left John in prison. Now here's where we begin to kind of scratch our head. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know. It says very plainly that John was in prison... And Jesus knew about it. We do not read, because we just read on past chapter 4, verse 12. 
we don't see that Jesus goes to bust John out of prison. We don't read that he uses his mighty miraculous power to deliver John from prison. We don't even read that he summoned angels to deliver John from prison. In fact, at this point, it appears that Jesus did not even go to see John or send John a message. Now, there will be communication between them later on. And we'll study that, God willing. We'll study that in a future message. There was communication between John in prison and Jesus. But here, at this point, it seems that Jesus just goes on with his ministry. Now think about this. Jesus said that among those born of women, none were greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist was the one who baptized Jesus. John the Baptist testified of Jesus. John the Baptist pointed people to Jesus. And John the Baptist gladly watched his disciples, his followers, leave and depart and follow Jesus. And now John is in prison and Jesus knows about it and seems to do nothing. Oh, John's in prison and he goes and preaches. You remember I told you as a younger Christian, I hadn't learned that lesson. Discipleship often means hardship. And I remember wrestling with this in my own life. Things would go wrong in my life and I was confused. I mean, I kind of thought in my own mind, if if you serve God and you wanted to please God, things should go smoothly. I, I started preaching when I was 16 years old. So I was involved in ministry and and I was doing all these things and yet things were going wrong in my life and there was trouble and there were trials and all these things. And I kind of thought, well, things should be going smoothly, but they were not going smoothly. And yes, I grew up in church. I had heard the stories in Sunday school about living godly and suffering persecution. And I knew the stories from the Bible. And I'd heard about the saints of old who had suffered. And yes, I knew about the hall of faith in Hebrews and about the ending part about those that were sawn asunder and thrown to the lions and all that. But for some reason, I kind of figured in my own mind, things are going to be different for me. You may hear that and call me naive if you will. I was certainly immature. But in my own mind, in my own thoughts, in my own heart, I said, I'm serving Jesus. Things should go smoothly. But they didn't. But I'm afraid that I'm not alone in thinking those thoughts. I'm afraid that there are Christians today. There may be Christians here in this room or listening to this later on. Maybe younger Christians, maybe older Christians who share my previous erroneous thoughts, and that is, being a Christian is a guarantee, in a sense, that life will be smoother and life will be much less trouble. And if that's you, then I'm here to burst your bubble. I want to be be gentle about it. I want to be careful about it. But it must be done. One of the reasons, beloved, that we think that way is because we have a wrong view of God. A wrong view of God. It, it might be that we think that, you know, God is here to serve us rather than we're here to serve God. Put another way, we maybe think that God exists for us rather than we exist for God. You see, God is not a vending machine where we put in our quarters of service and prayers and songs and then we can select from our godly vending machine whatever makes us happiest. 
God is not our personal magic genie who is there to grant every wish that we have. If we just rub our Bible and we just think really hard and pray really hard that everything's going to come to pass like a magic genie. God is not our travel agent who works hard to send us where we want to go so we can have fun in life. Now, don't get me wrong. God is not a cosmic killjoy. God is not out to make your life miserable or to make my life miserable. God is not in heaven waiting for you to laugh or have enjoyment so He can strike you down. Can I just remind you today that God created joy, God created laughter, God created beauty. We were talking yesterday, our family, somebody mentioned that God must have a sense of humor. And I'm sure that He does. Why? Because we have one. So God is the one who created all these things and gave us all these good gifts. And yet at times... Maybe you feel like you're John. (laughs) You've been serving, you've been laboring, you've done all these things, and yet you look around and it seems like, has God forgotten me? Does God realize where I'm at? I mean, it says very plainly, Jesus heard that John was in prison. He knew it. And he wasn't in prison for wrongdoing, he was in prison for right doing. For doing right. And yet at this point, it seems that Jesus does nothing. Now, you realize that Jesus could have delivered John from prison in a heartbeat. I mean, he could, have, he could have done whatever he wanted to do. He could have sent angelic messengers. He could have caused an earthquake. I mean, he could have done whatever he wanted to do because he is God, but he didn't. In fact, if you know the story, John is in prison and things are not going to get better. In fact, they're going to get a lot worse. Because if you follow John's story, and I don't know if you know his story, it doesn't end well from a human standpoint. In fact, it it ends very gruesome. It it ends in a, a very heartbreaking way from a human standpoint. So why does God allow hardship for those who follow Him? I mean, if it was up to us, why would we think, wait a minute now, Wouldn't it make more sense that God would cause problems and heartache and stuff for those who hate Him and those who don't follow Him and those who don't love Him and then those who are on His side and and His family, He makes sure they have no hardship. And every day is a sunny day and every rose is, every flower is a rose and there's no thorns on those roses. And every day is just beautiful and gorgeous. And there's no trouble. There's no flat tires. There's no bad medical diagnosis. There's no cavities. There's no root canals. None of that kind of stuff. There are no unexpected bills. There are no problems. There's no call from the principal at the school about your child. I mean, none of that happens. Why? Because you are a child of the King. You are a child of God. You serve God. You love God. And yet we all know, if you've been Christian longer than 20 minutes, pardon my grammar, but that ain't so. In fact, being a Christian gets us in more trouble. Because they want you to lie at church, at, at work. Don't lie at church. But they want you to lie at work. You know, they thought I was lying down on the mine square the other night. I said, okay, you're ready. I was across from somebody. And I said, you're ready. I'm going to hit the ball to you. And they thought I was going to hit somebody else. I said, I can't lie at church. But they want you to lie at work. 
You say, I can't do it. A friend wants you to cheat with them at school. Can't do it. Just take it. Don't worry about paying for it. Can't do it. We're out of step with the world. We're out of step with those who don't really care to please God. And so it seems like, okay, I follow Jesus. And yes, there's joy in my life, but boy, there's still a lot of trouble. In fact, there's more trouble now, it seems at times, than before I followed Jesus. Why does God allow hardship in our lives? Well, we're short on time, but let me give you just three reasons this morning. Three reasons. And we're not done with John. We're not done with him being in prison. And we'll come back to that at some future time, God willing. But let me give you three reasons why God allows hardship. Now, I'm talking to believers. If you're not a believer, you also experience hardship. But I've got to caution you because this is as good as it's going to get for you. So if you don't know Jesus, you better live it up the most you can. And you better do all you can because this is all the happiness and joy that you're ever going to know if you leave this world without Jesus. That's just the reality of it. If you're a believer, this is as bad as it's going to get, what we experience here. It's all going to be better. If you're an unbeliever, this is as good as it's going to get. It's going to get a whole lot worse. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, please... The Bible says that all of us have sinned, all have messed up, I've messed up, you've messed up, and that sin separates us from a holy God, but God loves us so much. That's why Jesus came. Here it is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you'll just turn from your sin, that's what repentance means. You're going in one direction, you turn and go in the other direction. I'm going this way, no, I'm going to go this way with Jesus. If you'll repent and place your trust, your faith in Jesus, He will save you. And yes, you'll still have some trouble here and you'll still have trials, but you won't face it alone. Jesus will be with you every step of the way. You've never received Christ. Come to Him today. But for those who have, why does God allow hardship in our lives? Well, number one, He allows it because God has a plan for our lives. Now, God had a plan for John the Baptist. And as the series has been called, He was the forerunner. He was the one who went ahead, just like if there was an earthly king coming, someone would go ahead to clear the path and prepare the way, get ready, the king is coming. That's what John did for Jesus, the Messiah. He was the forerunner. He prepared the way. And he had a plan for John. Now, for John the Baptist, this particular plan that God had, it would mean a short ministry for John. It was not going to be a long ministry. I've told you several times now, scholars believe his ministry was somewhere over, a little over six months to maybe a little over a year. A very short time frame from our reckoning. But that was God's plan. Secondly, it meant that John's ministry would decrease. We talked about that last week. In other words, if you look at John's ministry, he kind of burst on the scene. The crowds are coming. He's preaching. The crowds are growing. He's baptizing. And then the climax of his ministry is baptizing Jesus. And then from that point on, from a human standpoint, from an earthly standpoint, his ministry begins a downward spiral in many ways. Why? Because God's plan was not for John to be the center of attention. It was for John to point others to Jesus. And part of his ministry, and by the way, he did that with joy. He passed the test. We studied it before. But that was his plan. And it also meant that John's ministry would come to an end. 
He would not have a perpetual, unending ministry in the sense of his earthly life. It was a very short ministry. And by the way, unless, unless Jesus comes for us first, which that will be an end to our ministry, we are going to have an end to our ministry. Life is short. For John, it was a very short ministry. Now, I need to tell you this. God has a plan for your life, too. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do, listen, we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. God has a plan for your life. Now, you've been living out. God has sovereignly put you where you are. He placed you in the family, the locale, in this community, in this point in history. And God has a plan for your life. You're not here by accident. You're here by appointment. And within the sovereign will of God, God has a plan for our life. And, and God's will includes some things that apply to all of us. And then God has a plan personally for you and for me. And within God's plan, because it says in Ephesians 2.10, we can do the good things He's planned for us long ago. So your day's not, a, your day's not an accident. Your life's not an accident. You're here on purpose. In the sovereign will of God for you, some of the things that God has planned are happy and joyful and high days, and some of them are hard, really hard. And i got to encourage you by saying this, because here's another lesson I had to learn, and I hope that you'll learn if you haven't already. We're not always going to understand exactly what God is doing in our lives. We're not going to understand it. And that's okay. As has been said in the past, we walk by faith, not by explanations. It's important to remember that. We walk by faith, not by explanations. And so what we have here is we have that God is working and we follow Him and trust Him even when we do not understand what He's doing in our lives. We walk by faith. And God has a plan for your life. And it brings me to the second reason why we experience hardship, and it's this, because God is building character in our lives. Boy, don't you love that? God is building character in your life. And many times He uses the ABCs of character development. You know what the ABCs of character development are? Adversity builds character. If I knew He was preaching this, I wouldn't have come today. I didn't want to come today and preach this. But we're following John. And when you follow the text and you follow the life of the individual and you're studying through, you walk along with them and you notice John had days of joy, absolutely. He got to baptize Jesus. And the crowds were coming and they were responding in faith and, and God was working. And there were good days and there were happy days and there were holy days. And then there were hard days. And God is building character. We've talked a lot about this in recent days. I'm not going to linger on this. But we understand that, especially if you're a parent, if you have children. Adversity builds character. And if you, if you rescue your child of everything that ever happens, they're never going to learn some lessons. And so as hard as it is, we let them experience some things. Some character traits, some things are only built through hardships. And God, ultimately, God allows hardship in our lives because He has a plan for our life and includes hardships to develop our character, to make us like Jesus 
But then thirdly, we've got to remember that he does it because God is bringing glory to himself with our lives. God, I want you to hear this, God always has our best and his glory in mind. I mean, he's our heavenly father. Dads, good dads, you have your children's best in mind. But sometimes that includes letting them experience hardship. Why? Because you want them to build character. And God always has your best and His glory in mind. Now again, we don't always understand how this plays itself out. We look at things that come in our lives and we wonder, and I do too, how in the world can this bring glory to God? How can John, being in prison, bring glory to God? Wouldn't it be much better for him to be out preaching? Now, why wasn't he still out there just getting more and more crowds for Jesus? Wouldn't a miraculous deliverance from prison bring more glory to God? Well, no, not in this case. I mean, we would see that elsewhere in Scripture that God did that. Sometimes God delivers the way we want Him to, and sometimes He doesn't. But you need to know, and you've got to come to grips with this. We walk by faith, not by explanations. It's this. God is perfectly wise in everything that He does. Everything that He allows in your life, God is perfectly wise in allowing it. And we have to stand on the truth of the Word of God trusting Him. Now, what I want to do today in closing, because I don't know where you may find yourself, but I'm going to give you three Scripture passages. I want you to jot these down. And I'm not going to comment on them. As much as I want to, I'm not going to comment on them. But you may find yourself right now in a very hard spot. And it doesn't make sense. You don't know what God is up to in your life. You don't know what God is doing. You don't know why God has allowed this. I want to give you three Scripture passages for you to take and meditate on. I want to encourage you, if you, if you want to, to write these out, place them somewhere, mark them in your Bible, whatever you need, put them on your screen, save on your phone. But begin to surround yourself with the truth of these three verses. I could have chosen others, but these are the three that, that I chose the Lord helping me. I'm going to give them to you without comment. I'll read through them. Then we'll pray and be done. Number one, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Ooh, I want to comment on that, but I'm not. Jot that reference down. Hold on to it. Second one. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Ooh, I want to comment on that one too. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, 
Yet they produce for us the glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And then finally, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, thank you for the truth that we just read together from your word. Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters today that are struggling under some hard circumstances and situations. And I pray that you would encourage their heart. Lord, that they would stand on your promises and stand on your word. They would find the strength they need to trust you and to keep on trusting you. And Father, I pray that if anyone here today does not know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christ is their Savior and Lord, I pray this will be the hour, this will be the moment where they repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Do a work in our midst. Use this word for your glory in our lives, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn today in the altar is open. If we could serve you in some way, pray with you. If you need to be saved today, if you want to come and just pray about some things, you can do that. It's a good reminder in song, why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is He. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. The altar is open. You come as God leads. 93, let's stand together and sing. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven? When Jesus is my portion, my Thank you for listening today. We trust that our time together was a blessing to you. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and of course on our website at redhillbaptist.org. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.